because it's a very interesting study that recently came out uh, from McDonald Laurier Institute, taking a look at how young people in our country are sort of ve- viewing their future. Uh, looking forward in terms of, you know, their their life, uh, basically economics. How do things look for them in terms of economics, standard of living, all the rest of that stuff? And you know what? They're not taking a very positive view of things, and they've got some good reasons for that. Uh, they definitely have some concerns about where they're going to be, how they're going to stack up compared to their parents, quality of life. Uh, Aaron Woodrick is the director of the McDonald Laurier's Institute of Domestic Policy program, and he joins us now. Aaron, uh, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shay. Interesting study and, or survey. Let's uh, let's define the parameters here. You're talking to young people, basically under thirty, about their future, right? Yeah, it was from sort of 18 to 30-year-old. We did focus groups. We did some polling as well as a result. Really, we were just trying to figure out, dig a little bit deeper on the idea that younger people are pessimistic, right? Like there's a lot of sort of general assumptions these days that people, uh, younger people are pessimistic about their futures. We wanted to sort of quantify that and try and figure out exactly what was driving that. Um, And so we did that. And yes, it's true that generally younger people are definitely a lot more pessimistic than older folks. But far and away, we found that the number one driver of that was was economic and specifically housing. Housing was definitely the dominant theme in the survey. Uh, Cost of living was a close second. So, you know, we hear often, uh, you know, that, that COVID was hard on younger people. Things like climate change are on their mind. That's true, but it was paled in comparison to bread and butter issues of cost um, and just this idea that most of them thought they would probably never be able to buy a home. So when you're talking about housing, is that what it is like home ownership or, or housing generally speaking? Yeah, home ownership was the top one. A rent was also up there. Um, okay. So people struggling just to just to put a roof over their heads, never mind buying one. But just the idea that um, you know housing is essentially out of reach for middle class or working class people. You know, some of the folks in the focus groups would bring up things like, you know, my my parents managed to buy a house in a large city on one income, and that just seems crazy to them now that that would that that's possible. Um, so they're they're quite down in the dumps about it. Um, and, you know, I think it's really up to policymakers to, to give these youth some hope um, that they're going to do something to try and address some of these problems. Yeah, and generally speaking, they uh, I was surprised to hear this because, I mean, typically this is not the way that a society that functions well uh, has things set up. Most Canadians uh, under the age of 30 right now do not anticipate a better quality of life than their parents. They actually think their parents probably are going to be better off uh, when all is said and done than, than they'll ever attain, which, which is sort of the opposite of the way it's supposed to work, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's a big change. It's a change we haven't seen, certainly, in several generations. Each generation has been better off than the last. So this is a big reversal. We also saw that come through in the in the focus groups, especially, Shay, that there was a, there was a lot of um, resentment and bitterness. And yeah. it's almost as if um, a lot of them feel that the, their parents' generation sort of raided the cupboard um, and, and had it pretty good. Uh, you know, obviously, different generations are going to have different perspectives on these things, but they really sort of feel that their parents' generation got a much better deal than they're getting. And you really saw that come out time and again in these surveys. What does this mean for us as a society, as a country? I mean, this kind of thinking and this kind of shift in, in um, you know, economic outlook, that's going to have an impact on us as a society, isn't it? 
It absolutely is. You already see it manifest itself politically, right? I think yeah. you may be in for you've heard of uh, you've heard of sort of class warfare. Well, I think we may in for be in for generational warfare pretty soon, right? Because you have younger people saying things like "I can't find a job" or "I can't buy a house," uh, whereas older folks, of course, um, you know, are protected above their of their entitlements, of their payments like old age pensions, old age security. Um, so I think you're going to see this play itself out at the political level, as you're going to see uh, people sort of rather than regionally or other divides, it may become a regional divide. If this, if nothing's done to address this trend, um, if you're in government and if you're someone who's sort of deciding, okay, this is coming down the pipe, we can see it; it's pretty clear. What kind of policy do we need to be looking at? How can you put policy around this? Yeah, number one is definitely housing. I mean, we all know why housing is a problem right now. We don't have enough of it. It's a supply issue that largely falls to municipalities in this country. Um, so really, it's it's up to the provincial and federal governments to find ways around the perverse incentives that municipalities have. I have people ask me all the time, well, if they know they need to build more houses, why don't we? And, and the answer is simple. If you're a count, city councillor or an alderman in, an, in a part of a city where the people there are happy and they don't want change, they're going to keep voting for someone who promises that. And so it's very hard to sort of break out of that trap. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really up to different levels of government to give municipalities the, the, the tools, the power, the incentives to overcome this and build more houses. Because to me, uh, if nothing is done over the next sort of five to ten years to address this housing, it is, uh, it's not only going to, to, to create sort of political blowback, I think it's going to have serious consequences for our economy. And you're going to see you, may, you run the risk of having Canadians leaving um, because they really don't see any future here. And uh, last one, and then I'll let you go, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing it on the text line and we hear it whenever we talk about this. Uh, older people saying, yeah, whatever. This is kids. Every every generation has had challenges like this. Quit your wine. And we had it tough too. They're not just making this up. They are facing legitimate factors and challenges that previous generations just did not see, right? Yeah, the whole sort of you're too soft and you're snowflake. You know, you can argue about that stuff when it comes to, for example, the job market. But on housing, it's absolutely crystal clear. I mean, housing is astronomically expensive. Um, It is impossible for young people to buy a house. That is not sour grapes. That's That's just a fact of life. Gotcha. Aaron, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot. That is uh, Aaron Woodrick, who is with McDonald Laurier Institute, their domestic policy program, a survey on how young people are viewing their, their futures, not positively, and the fact that, you know what, legitimately, I mean, sure, I think every generation does say that to their parents. Oh, you had it so much better than we did, right? And then conversely, <laughs> as we get older, we'll say, oh, it was so much easier back in the day. Or, uh, and there's some elements of truth in both of those statements. But at the same time, it's not 100% true. When you take a look at the cost of home ownership, just sitting where I'm sitting right now, right? And I bought my first house in 1998. So you're talking 25 years. The cost of that house now, you can't get a house in the city of Edmonton for that. Not even close. And uh, that's happened, you know, well within a generation. The cost of home ownership has quadrupled uh, in my neighborhood. So I understand that. That's different. That's a mass. People aren't getting paid four times as much as they were, but houses are costing four times as much as they did. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.